0: Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc.
1: Amen. Let's go to the book of John, the 21st chapter. I want to start right here. I hope you had a good spring break. Amen, did you? By two people How many's had a good week? Come on. All right. It's good. I was behind on the projects at the house, so praise God, I'm ready for Catherine to go back to work. Hallelujah. (laughs) So she liked to kill me, work me to death this week, but um, it's been good. Amen. Uh, We've we've got one more announcement. Pastor Stanton's going to be preaching next Sunday night at the Lennox Church of God. Let's go up and show up there and support him. Come on, let's go up there and, so that'll be next Sunday night at six o'clock. He'll be preaching there. I'm gonna be driving him up to the front door, letting him out. But uh, so we're just expecting a great move of God at Lenox Church of God. They do I tell you what, Pastor Brad McVeigh is such a blessing to this community. A tremendous church there. And uh, so I know that uh Stanton's looking forward to that, to uh preaching there. So um, I had a direction I wanted to go this morning, but, but um, I kind of had like multiple things I wanted to talk about, but I just couldn't get over this one thing. So I'm just going to trust my heart, and I believe what I'm going to speak this morning is going to help us in this room. And so you go to John chapter 21. I got a lot of scripture for us to go through. And, um, and so I'm really just going to go back, if you will, just piggyback from somewhere where we were at last Sunday. And if you were not here, you can get that. As he said, that podcast, whatever it's available, and uh, and so I just uh, how many knows that we talked about last Sunday that Jesus that the t- that the stone or that the stone that was in front of the tomb it was not rolled away so that he could get out, but it was rolled away so that you and I could get in. You believe this? And this morning, God, I just want to preach about is just how good God is and how awesome He is, folks. If you're new here. And you said, "Well, man, I've never seen someone wave flags." Miss Karen walked over. One, Miss Karen, wave your hand. Where are you, Where? Are you, where's she at? Right here. Wave your hand. She come up to me. If you don't know her story, was it MS? Right? MS. Doctor says she should be in a wheelchair. shouldn't even be able to get up and walk around. She's walking around the front of this church waving a flag for the goodness of God. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's give God a mighty hand clap of praise. So we make no apologies about our worship, friend. Come on, somebody! God has been good to us. If you know the stories, if you knew the stories, friend. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Sometimes you you know that you may see somebody cutting up and acting crazy. Give me that smaller one right there. That I had yeah. That's that'll be good. And so. Um, It'll, it'll just make you understand why they worship the way they worship. When you've been forgiven of much, how many knows you want to give much? Come on. <laughs> Where much is given, much is required. So Father, we just thank you for your goodness today, Lord. And so, as you find John 21, I just want to set this up. I guess this has been maybe... I'm good right there, Allie, Mike. You come help me at the end. It'll be good. Um... So um, I guess this was probably been about a year ago. I called Steve and I had a dream, and in this dream, um, I knew that we were building. I knew that we were building a new house. Uh, not not necessarily uh, Catherine and I are building a new house, but we were on this building project, and I knew that we were building the house of God. It was just I had a, a divine knowing that we were building the house of God, and Steve was out there, and um, and I seen this massive group of people. That uh, you know, for the road that was uh, the road that was getting to the house had <clears throat> like someone had took a dump truck and unloaded a load of sand here, and they had unloaded something here and unloaded something here, so there was all these heels or whatever preventing uh, people from getting to the house, and so <clears throat> I went and I told Steve, and uh, and so Steve said you got to get on that front loader. And he said, I want you to begin to knock those heels down so that people can come in. And so this morning, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to knock some heels down. How many knows that religion has put all kind of heels in the way? Come on now. The Bible says it like this. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you stand at the gate of the kingdom and you yourselves won't go in, but you prevent everybody else from trying to enter in. So this morning I want to do my best to do that, and I want to talk this morning uh, from John chapter twenty-one. We're going to read a good bit of scripture, and let's just see how where we go. And we got a baptism at the end, so you want to, you want to. Um, Stay here for that, and so, how many knows this? You know that God is moving in the house. Number one when you see a video like that of, of just great life that was out there at that life fest, but I think we are we are doing a baptism every other Sunday. So'm I get, I'm a, come on somebody let's give praise for that. So we're doing the baptisms every other Sunday. Hallelujah. All right you there, John 21. If you've not found it, just trust it. I'm going to read it to you, okay? It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in, in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and the, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going, we are going with you also, and they went out immediately and got into the boat. And that night, that they caught, and, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then said to the, Then Jesus said to them, "Children, have you any food?" And they answered him, "No." And he said to them, "Cast a the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some." So they cast and now they were not able to draw it out, draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that the disciple whom Jesus loves said, Peter, it is the Lord. Now when, now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, but about two, 200 cubits dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught and Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although they were, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. That is how the third time, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second, again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you were girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you to where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, I know we read a long text there, but I kind of want to set this story up. If you take it back, you remember when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet that he told the story that one of them would betray him. Now, Peter was the mouthy one of the bunch, if you will. He was the fighter. member in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they come in to get the Lord, that Peter, Jesus had already told them to go get a sword. And so, you know, Peter, he ain't got a chance to use the sword yet, but when they come in and hijack Jesus in the garden, come on now, and that uh, Peter pulled the sword and cut Malchus's ear off and Jesus rebuked him and healed Michael. but Peter at the when they were washing the when he was at at the last supper uh Jesus said one was going to betray him and so Peter spoke up and he knew the others heard him and he said to the Lord he said I'll never betray you did he not say that right he said I'll die for you right now I'm ready to go with you I'll, I'll die with you now and so when the heat of the battle got on when Jesus when Judas had sold him out and 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 Jesus was handed over um, that we know that Peter denied the Lord three times. And Jesus prophesied to him and told him that at the Last Supper that before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. So Peter when at his last point when he, when he was following the Lord from afar a young girl said w- were you not with him also? And when he denied the third time he heard the rooster crow and then he left. Now he hasn't seen the Lord since he had denied him three times. And now they are fishing. First of all, we know according to Luke's gospel in the 24th chapter that they were told to go tarry into Jerusalem and wait for the promise. They were going to, they were going to go get in an upper room in Jerusalem and wait for the promise. So, first of all, they had really no business being out fishing. Come on now, because they were told to wait for the promise. It is amazing what discouragement does. Come on somebody, stay with me. I got somewhere we're going to go if you could track with me this morning. So anyhow, so they, they, they go through this now, but what I want to draw your attention to, and let's bring it up to where you and I live today. Now think about this, Peter blew it and he knew he blew it. Not only did he know that he blew it, the others knew that he blew it that were there with him also because there was seven there with him. They were told to be in Jerusalem. They're not in Jerusalem. And so Peter's doing the only thing that he'd known his whole life to do and that is the fish. Come on now. now. I'm just going to return back. The same story is in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. That The enemy always wants to drive us back to the past. Come on now. Come on now, and so the, so he, he's he's there and now now John sees the Lord. The Lord is on the shore. First of all, the Lord has got a fire. Notice this the last time that Peter denied the Lord, he was standing by the fire. So Jesus is bringing a new fire. Come on somebody to bring him back where he last left him. Come on, we sang the song this morning. I might know know where I left me, but how many knows He knows where I left me and he knows how to bring me back. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the goodness of God this morning. Listen so so Peter is coming back now listen what I want to get Damon Thompson says it like this what did Peter understand about Jesus that we fail to understand today because most of us when we blow it in this room let's be honest all of us have sinned that's what the bible says all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God nobody in this room is perfect everyone in this room has faults and failures can I get an amen up in here no one is perfect we all need the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all of us where would we be if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus in this room this morning I am thankful that there's a cross that bleeds and a king that still redeems come on somebody alright so Peter most of us well let's just say it like this how many has ever blown it in your Christian walk In that moment that you've blown it, that you've sinned and you know you've committed sin, you don't need someone to tell you that you've sinned. Come on, somebody. Your conscience tells you you've sinned. Your conscience is the God-given thing on the inside of you that tells you right and wrong. Come on. And so, when you sin, how many want to run to God in that moment? Most of us, if we were honest in this room and told the whole story, we still do what Adam did and we run and hide we run and hide until we can work it out. Peter, listen to this. Peter never had a thought in his mind that when he blew it in the garden that that, that, that forfeited his walk. He never had it in his mind that when he blew it that that, that, that wiped out his destiny. How many knows this, that God, before he ever chose you, and he chose you for the foundations of the world? That's hard to understand. Before Adam ever was in the garden, God had already chosen you and him. And he factored in all of your mistakes, and yet he still chose you. That's mind-blowing. What is that? That's called grace and mercy. Now let's look at this. Now, Gavin, I want you to help me right here. I want you to help me right here, and we're going to go through going to go through this. I really, what I what I really got in my heart, what I want to talk about is this morning, is 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 shame, and I want I want to talk about this, but I got to set up a few scriptures to get us there. Okay, so just bear with me. We got we got. It's going to be really good at the end. All right, let's pull this up. 2 Corinthians five eighteen. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and He has given us what the ministry of reconciliation. Look at your neighbor and say, "All of us in this, say all of, say you are called." Do it like this. Look at your neighbor and say, "You're called the full time ministry." There's no such thing as part time ministry. All of us in this room are called, "What to reconcile? What? Bring reconciliation. Now Now listen to this, how are we going to win the lost? What? How are we going to win the lost? Look at this. This is how God won us. Look at verse 19. It says, now this, that God was where? In Christ, reconciling the world to himself. What? Not imputing, what? Their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. How did God get us? He came in the form of Christ, not what? Counting our failures and our sins against us. That's good news, friend. That's real good news in this house this morning. That for your faults and your failures and your shortcomings, God has already provided an antidote and he's already provide, prescribed the prescription for your deliverance. What is it? Jesus on the cross. Why do we believe for healing in this house? Because he paid for it over 2,000 years ago. Why do we believe in deliverance in this house? I don't believe you got to be on antidepressants, come on somebody, Prozac or anything else. Why? Because Jesus has already paid the price for you to get rid of that dirt. He became poor so that I become rich. He became weak so that I could become strong. You with me? So God is in Christ reconciling, bringing us in the world by what? Not counting their failures against them. Now think about it. You know the reason why the house of God is not full this morning all across America? Number one, they believe, number one, I I watched this at the Life Fest and I told you this. When the church tries to offer something, just a, a simple hot dog, a Nathan's hot dog for free, you would be surprised how many people have a problem just taking the Nathan's hot dog. Because they believe the problems in their life are so great that they don't even worthy to receive a Nathan's hot dog from the church. Friend, come on, we got a long ways to go. I want to tell you this. God never put that obstacle in front of him. Come on somebody. Religion and... And ignorant preachers is what's put that that roadblock up in front of him. Jesus paid an awesome price so that you and I could be free, friend. God so loved the world. That's what the Bible says in John 3. God so loved the world. What? That he sent his only begotten son. What? To die a gruesome death on the cross that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and he sent his son verse 17 not to condemn the world but through him the world could be saved woo that's good preaching right there now pull the next verse of scripture up now think about this when I mess up and I have messed up what keeps me from running into his presence is this thing called shame that says sin now every person in this room deals with what I'm talking about this morning Listen, if not, if not, psychiatrists would tell you you are a sociopath and you have not the ability to feel anything. Now, unless you're a sociopath in here, a psychopath, excuse me, then we all deal with shame. Shame is not guilt. Guilt is you done something wrong. But shame says you are something wrong. Come on now. Notice how we even in the church say the lady with the issue of blood. That was her issue. That's not who she was. We call it doubting Thomas. Because Thomas doubted one time, we label him as a doubter now. This is why, and I'm not against AAA or anything or any 12-step program. But I don't believe anybody should stand up and say, my name is John Bagley and I'm an alcoholic. I believe if you want to be free, you got to stand up and say, I'm John Bagley, redeemed of Christ, come on. Set free by the blood of the Lamb, come on. That's what the Bible says. And if we'll claim who we are and who he says we are, we'll begin to act that out in our life. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. See, the enemy wants you to pull your identity. It's all about identity, friend. He wants you to get your identity from your problem. But I came today to give you some good news and let you know your problem has already been dealt with. It is already defeated. It has already lost its hold. All you have to do is be informed of what has already taken place. If you visit today listen, we'll just tell it I'm, I am a holler, okay? What is information? It's informing. If you want to build something, you got to set up the form first. Is that what you do, Jesse? Before you ever pull the foundation, you set up the form, right? You lay it out. Information. When you get informed, you form something on the inside called structure, which allows you to walk in freedom. You shall know the truth. Be informed of the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. It says it shall what? Make you free. All right, now let's look at this. Now see, Lord, we got a long way to travel, okay? I'm going to have to give this plane a little gas, all right? Now listen. In the old covenant, when God introduced the law in Exodus chapter 20, The law was never meant to set men free or to save us. The law was meant to show us the lost condition and how far we had fallen. For without the law, we would have not known our true condition. This is why the priest went to the brazen brazen laver, which had a mirrored bottom. Come on now. And as he walked up there to wash himself, he could see his true condition. This is what the law did. We can never get free by trying to live out a rule book. You will never get free that way. Think about it. If you want to lose weight, you will never lose weight by hate being big. Think about this. If the focus is losing weight as this, listen here. I wake up, I, John Bagley, will not go by Dairy Queen today. That's the first prayer I prayed that morning. God, I'm not going by Dairy Queen today. The blizzards have no hold on my life. We went to Sam's yesterday. We were supposed to be low carbon. I throw some, some little old bit of cinnamon rolls in the bug, And Kathy, she was fighting mad. I said, all you got to do is have inward strength. Don't touch it. Come on now. Just have it with street. Don't touch it. Looked in there. John B. And then had about 15. I said, son, let me tell you something. We got we to put a stop this right now. <laughs> you got to get out here and run. You know what I'm saying? No, look at you. No, all right. Listen to this. So when you, when you sin, there's a law in effect. You broke the law. Now let's look at this. Go go with me, Gavin, right here because i got a long ways to go. In him you were also circumcised with circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Let's go forward. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Look at this. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcised of your flesh has been made alive together with him having forgiving of all your trespasses having wiped out the handwritten requirements that was against us which were contrary to us and he has taking it out of the way having nailed it to the cross There were where did the handwritten requirements come from Moses brought them down the mountain And we still, listen, don't get mad with me. Let's just read the Bible. And we still have so much of the church in a fight over trying to keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. How many has got an eight-track player in your car outside? Why ain't you? Don't think I don't know some eight-tracks. I know how to do it too now. (laughs) Huh? Listen, why do you not have an eight-track out there? Why? Because it's obsolete. It don't make it no more why something better came out called a CD. Can I tell you that something better came out than the Ten Commandments? Come on now, why are you fighting over something? Listen, the Ten Commandments was all about you shall not. Can can y'all go with me? Listen, the Ten Commandments was you shall, Cleve, you shall not covet. Steve, you shall not lust. You shall not, you shall not. The new covenant has nothing about you shall not. It has everything about I will, I will, I will. I'm trying to help you. Come on, come on, stay with me. Give me, give me these other verses of scriptures right in Hebrews chapter 8. Then we're going somewhere. Listen, first, for what the first covenant had been faultless, for the first covenant had been faultless, there there, then no place would have been sold for a second. If it was great and it was grand, Jesus would have never came. But the fact is, is it was incomplete. We had no hope. Right. We had no hope. Sin could only be wiped away and forgiven once a year, but nothing was permanently removed. We had to rely on the blood of bulls and goats. You with me? That's why in the old covenant you don't see not one devil de- being dealt with, do you? Surely they was demons. I, I, I look at the church, like, what? Demons? Come on now. Come on, if you ain't never seen, just travel with us sometimes and you'll see some demons. They are real. But you don't see any demon being dealt with in the old covenant. Because nobody had the power to deal with it. But in the new covenant, you see them coming out. Why? Because a better covenant is on the way. Come on, Jesus is bringing it. Look at this. Because finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when what? I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Who will? I will. Look at this. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Look at this. For this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people the focus is not about what you can do the focus is what he's already done for you and when you realize what he's people people get mad with this kind of preacher well if you preach it like that preacher won't people go out and sin when you realize what he's really done for you friend you won't have no desire to sin if you got a desire to go out and go clubbing tonight you don't even know him friend but if you got a desire to run after him this doesn't cause me to want to sin. What it does, listen to me. Listen to me. I wanted to preach on the Holy Spirit today. And I wanted to preach on, I got, I got a message that's back on that table and it's bad to the bone, I'd buy it myself. It's on releasing the dove. I stole it from Bill Johnson, but it's that good, okay? <laughs> listen to me. But I told this, so I wanted you to be aware of the Holy Spirit. You're never going to be aware of the Holy Spirit at work in your life when you are so sin conscious and that's all you're aware of in your life. The reason why we're not moving in signs and wonders is because we are so aware of our failures and still aware of what's really in our life. That's good preaching right there. And you will release, you will release the reality of what you're most aware of. You won't lay your hands on cancer because you feel like the problem that you got in your life, it disqualifies you for laying your hands upon cancer. All right. My, 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 my. All right. The new covenant is all about our will. Christianity is not about doing. It's about something that's already done. All right. Now listen to this. Now this is where I gotta get in my last 20 minutes. Okay? Is this deal called shame? Now think about it. If Peter, if Peter would have acted the way I act, he would have never jumped off the boat to run to the Lord. And he would have never heard, go feed my sheep. Because what I would have tried to do was, John, you're going up there to the shore. I'm going to fast three days and see if I can't make it right because of what I've done wrong. Say it ain't so. This is how we live. Shame uses two tapes that it constantly drives. Number one, you're not good enough. How many ever hears that? You're not good enough. And who are you? Who do you think you are? If it don't get you with you're not good enough, the second thing it comes to drive home is, who do you think you are? Huh? Who do you think you are to try to speak to, try to give a testimony to somebody about their life of addiction and look what you can't even get rid of? Who do you think you are? That is not your heavenly Father's voice. That is the voice of the devil, the accuser of the brethren. When you hear somebody accusing you, that is never the voice of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. I don't care if it's coming out of the mouth of the Sunday school teacher. It ain't the Sunday school teacher talking in that moment. It is the lying voice of the enemy. Hello? Come on now. The Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And he brings accusation in the courtroom but you and I have an advocate the Bible says a lawyer and let me tell you about my lawyer he's never lost one case come on somebody He's an all-time undisputed champion. He's never lost one case. And every time the enemy tries to bring up my past or bring up my failures, he stands up in the court of law and God goes to to render the decision and he looks at the cross and he says, well, it's still good enough. Can I tell you, in 2018, what Jesus did is still good enough. All right. Shame is not guilt. Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is a focus on self. Shame turns the focus now away from Jesus and puts it on me. This is why we can't get free. Because now I'm looking at my ability and I'm riding down the road and they just changed out all the billboards and it's the the new blizzard of the month. Comes back to focus on me. Right? How many ever prayed this prayer? God, I will never do that again. And you find yourself doing it again. Am I the only one in this room? Would never get free with that type of focus. But if my focus is just on fellowshipping with the Lord... What you'll find is that voice that was screaming so loud to go by Dairy Queen becomes some faint distant echo off in the distance somewhere. Can anybody testify in this room? I met the Lord when I was 18 and friend, I had all kind of problems in my life. Some left me instantly when I got saved. But I have to be honest, some did not leave me instantly. Some of them I had to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But I can honestly say that if you don't give up in this room, whatever's plaguing you, I can promise you this morning will lose its hold and it will get off of your life, friend. It's the lying voice of the enemy that says you're never going to be free. It's the lying voice of the enemy that says, well, that's just not for you. That life can never be yours. That's a lie, friend. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. And what he'll do for me, what he did for Stanton, and what he did for Cleve, he'll do for you. All right. When we see someone getting financially blessed and prospering, we'll say, well, Shame comes and says you're not worthy of that. Shame is highly correlated with addiction, depression, aggression, violence, and suicide. If we get the shame off of our life, friend, I promise you we can throw the Prozac's down the toilet. Shame for women is this persona that... And I'm guilty, I'll have to say right now, I'm guilty of causing this on my own wife. Shame is for women is to do it all perfectly. Never let them see you sweat. Competing for perfect expectations. In other words, keeping the house tight and clean, work nine to five, come home and cook supper, lay the kids down, kiss them, read the Bible stories, and get up and do it again. How many know that is an unreal expectation in the day and hour we're living in? Yet we still got preachers. Listen to me. We got preachers on Wednesday night that beat their congregation down because that people are not in the house on Wednesday night and calling it because we don't have love for the Lord. No, it's a whole different time. We're not living in Mayberry no more, friend. Can I just get real in the house? When we pastored in Alma, I had a 45-minute commute. My wife didn't come on Wednesday night. Why? Because she can't come and listen to me preach till 9, 15, Holy Ghost moving sometime 10 o'clock and then have an hour drive to get the kids down. But it wasn't because she didn't have passion for God. How many know she was taking care of our most important ministry and that was at the house, friend? I've watched so many men and women blow it at the house to try to save this. If we don't save the house first, let me tell you what the Bible says. What if a man gains the whole world? He's on TBN, Daystar, God TV, internet, Lear Jets. If he loses his own house, what is it worth it, friend? All right. Okay. Shame for men is... Never be perceived as weak. Let's go with it right here. Listen to this. If you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three things to grow. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. The devil loves darkness. And he works in the dark areas of our lives. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about what you're unwilling to talk about. See, it's good when we come to church and we all look and I mean, everybody's got the nice jacket on or the nice threads, whatever it is. Here, I mean, come on, you, we wear about anything from flip flops to suits. I love it. But see, when you don't know the backstory of someone's life, here's what the enemy does. You're the only one with that issue. If you ever share that right there with someone, they're going to laugh you to scorn. Meanwhile, what happens is year after year, you're continually beating the dirt. Say I'm not telling the truth this morning. This is heavy. You're the only one with that internet problem. Let's go on and tell the truth right here. There's probably 25 men right now That if we had to be honest in this room, say we got an internet problem. See, it's awful quiet in the church. But what I'm talking about is the only way we find freedom is cut the light switch on. You cut the light switch on on your issue. I promise you, your issue just got defeated when you cut the light switch on. Now I'm not talking, listen to me, you're gonna stay with me here. I'm not talking to go to Sister Blab at all. I'm talking about finding a leader. I remember when I was a young boy, a young preacher, and I'll never forget, it, I, was in a, I was in a classroom, and L.A. Jordan was teaching a class, and he said, Any weakness in your life, if you'll bring a leader in there, it can become a strength. And he said, any strength in your life that you don't guard will become a weakness. I've never forgotten that statement. There's been times that I've had to, me and my wife had to go sit down with leaders and say, can you get in this situation? Why? Because we were getting defeated. But one maybe can put a thousand But two can put 10,000. Come on, somebody. Listen, if you're tired of getting beat up in your finances, bring a leader in your finances. I'm preaching truth this morning, friend. Bring a leader in your finances. Learn how to make a budget. Learn how to pay your bills. Learn how to tithe and honor God. And you'll want your finances changed. And this will be the last year that you'll look at your W-2 and wonder where in the world did the money go. All right. So what it has, listen to me. What it does is if you put it in a petri dish, it needs what? Silence. What did I tell you? Secrecy and judgment. And judgment. Let me tell you why we don't, why we won't, we don't judge people. Not because some stuff that they're doing is wrong. But the reason why you don't judge someone is because everyone is made in the image of God and I don't care how fallen they are, they still bear the image of the Father. Can I I get in the Bible? How many knows this, that Saul was anointed by God, right? Huh? How many knows that the Bible says that God removed his spirit from Saul? Did it not say that? But David still honored him as the anointed of what God had said about his life. Let me just say this too. When people sin and blow it, what we try to do as the church is we try to correct people's sin instead of correcting their heart. I knew this wasn't going to be no barn burner, but it's some good broccoli right here. Listen, the Bible says out of the good treasure, a man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. If you don't like your life today, you're bringing what's... Your life is a representation of what's been hidden in your heart the whole time. Yes. Oh, this is good. Yes. Huh? So, we try to deal with the symptoms. Don't never deal with the symptoms. Go after the root. Yes. And I'm telling you, a root that is an epidemic in the church is called shame. Yes. It is the strong man that, in Mark chapter 3 that needs to be bound so that we can spoil his goods. All right, now, so if I got secrecy, silence, and judgment, shame is going to grow. If you put the same amount of shame in a petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. Now, let's look at this. Empathy is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame or reference the capacity to place oneself in another person's position my dad used to always say this don't judge another individual until you walked in their own shoes it's amazing how the church come on some of us forgot where we came from after we got the suit after we got the sport coat after we got the title we forgot where we came from friend i haven't forgot where i come from i know how low to the ground i was in the church The world's never coming to run to the church until we lose the judgment. All right. Two most powerful words when you're in a struggle is me too. Me too. Me too. And that's the reality that's in this room this morning. There's hundreds of me too. When you get in a struggle with your marriage, there's not a person in this room, Tom and Liz, Stephen and Dan, those have been married for a long time. There's not, there's been times that you you woke up and didn't feel like you was in love with Harry, ain't? I tell Catherine all the time, I got to cast my love on her. I like your marriage. Just remember when Jesus said he finds man finds a treasure hidden in a field, he goes and purchases the whole field. You get the fence, row the briars. She got a lot of briars with me. But you know what? When, when things are, when things are a struggle, you know what the lie of the enemy says. You better not. You a preacher of the gospel. You're pastoring. Look at the church you're pastoring. Look at what God's doing. You sure better not say nothing. You're struggling with your marriage. See, friend, you can believe that lie and watch your marriage go to hell in a handbasket. Or you could be honest with someone and say, you know what, things ain't really good at my house right now. I've been sleeping in the guest bedroom for three weeks. I need some help up in here. You know what, probably the person that I'll go to said, me too, I've been in that situation before and this is how I made it through. Well, if you made it through, then you can teach me how to get through. Man, we got the richness that's in this house. Do you know? Listen, how many believes it? How, how many believes that meth is bad? If you got hooked on meth, that's bad. I don't even know what the statistics. Shane, what's the probably the statistics as someone hooked on meth? What's the statistics that they'll get free from it? Would you? What is it? 1,000 people a week. All right, let's just say this. There's not good odds that you'll get free. There's people in this house, one individual, and I won't get him to raise his hands, eight years meth addict, completely free by the power of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And I can tell you this, he didn't get free by believing he was an addict. He got free by believing he was a child of the living God. And what Jesus did for him was enough, friend. And what Jesus restores, he restores. Come on, to And what he redeems, he redeems. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Dusty was sharing with me a story about they were up in hell and he saw a waitress. And Dusty, uh, they were... I think the story was y'all had some money. Y'all were going to give to three individuals, right? You saw the waitress. You said you just knew he's battling with addiction. Dusty caught him to the side. See, don't mind me pointing this out, but you may look at Dusty now. On the golf course and look at his life. Dusty came through the House of Grace program. Addicted. Tell me God is not a miracle-working God. And God is not an awesome God. All we are in this room is a bunch of jacked up people that's been forgiven and set free by the blood of the lamb. That's what we are, that's why we worship like we worship, that's why we wave the flags. We've been forgiven, and where much is given, much is required. It's me too. Me too. I know what it's like to struggle. Me too. Me too. All Dusty did was he said he called that waiter to the side and he said, Me too, man. But I want to tell you, God loves you. He's wild about you. He's a present help in the time of need. All you got to do is call on him. He's there to help you, man. You know what he left him with? Religion would have told him, if you could quit doing that, maybe you could get in a church somewhere and get help. That's not God, friend. God went to the lowest part to get us. He gave him the truth. He said, listen, right where you're at today, in your brokenness, in your sin, in your jacked up addiction, God is 100% for you. How do you know that? while we were yet sinners God was in Christ reconciling us back to him alright 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 we got a few more minutes can you stay a few more minutes right here I just scratched all this stuff down little pads right here listen a Boston College researcher Said this, if women need to be normal, here's the top four things. Women, listen to me. If you want to be normal, according to the research at Boston College, this is what you got to have. Number one, you got to be nice. Number two, you got to be thin. Number three, you got to be modest. And number four, you got to use all your resources to work on your appearance. How many know that is an absolute lie? It's not what the Bible says. The Bible describes beauty as this, a woman that fears the Lord. Hey, don't care what size pants she's got on, a woman that fears the Lord. We're allowing the world to shape the culture of the church instead of the church shaping the culture of the world. We got a job as teenagers and youth pastors in this thing. Listen, the, the culture is going like a raging river one way. And we've got to train our kids to be able to stand on firm ground in the middle of that current and say, no, I don't have to go out and sow a bunch of wild oats. No, I don't have to go out and have sex 10 times before I get married and, feel like, and realize the one I, I can stay pure. Come on, somebody. Do we still believe in the power of the gospel in this room? Come on, for men, the top four is always show emotional control. Don't you ever break down. Let me tell you something. Real men cry, and they cry like babies. That's a lie. You ain't got to have all your emotions in control. Number two, work is priority. I want to tell you that's an absolute lie. When we're on our deathbeds, we're not going to be saying, I wish we would have worked twice as hard. I wish we would have worked longer hours. No, we're going to say, I wish we would have been at the ball games. I wish we would have took more family time together. We only got this life. James says it's but a vapor. Don't spend it working all the time. Number three, pursue status. Pursue status. I want to tell you that's an absolute lie. I want to tell you what the number one pursuit in your life is is God. Man, do you hear what I'm telling you? I said, pursue God. I said, if, I said, quit waiting on your wife to do it. Man, rise up in your house and get in your place at the high priest of your house. You pursue God. Man, listen to me. You want to know what's wrong with your marriage? Pursue God. If you will pursue God, if this is not right, this will never be right. But if this is right, this will get right, friend. I'm preaching up in this house this morning. Come on now. It is the man's job to pursue God. Oh, Lord. Number four, they said, get violent. Man, boy, I'm about to tell you. I about said something right there. We had to edit. Shame keeps us from living out who we really are. Pull up Psalms 139. Let me just tell you this. For the sake of time, listen to me. Listen to me. The Bible says you are wonderfully and fearfully made. I don't care how much I want to get in the gym, how much I want to diet, low carb, whatever you want to call it. I will never be able to wear a size 38 regular jacket like Stan. I got to accept that. That's a 38. This is a 40 plus some. Got to accept the fact. Come on now. But you know what? Listen to me. I'm just trying to help us today. I believe in I believe in being healthy, all of that. But you can't because you're overweight, or need to. Look, you cannot look at yourself in the mirror and sabotage yourself. I'm trying to help you right now. You can't do it. If you do it, what you're doing is inviting shame in your life. You're wanting to live under that. right. The Bible says we're wonderfully and fearfully made. The Bible says, in your mother's womb, God knit and formed you. He chose where you were going to live. He put your personality together. He put your gifts together and all of that. So when you hate on yourself, what you're doing is hating on him. This is good. All right. Let me say this. Dr. Brene Brown says this that. How to defeat shame is vulnerability. Vulnerability is the quality of state of being expressed, uh, of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Living vulnerable. How many knows when I tell you my issue, I got to let the walls down? The reason why we don't have real relationships is because we live behind walls. Come on now. We're still doing the same thing that Jacob did. Remember Jacob, he put skin on to make himself look like Esau. Why? So that he could get his father's blessing. Because we believe that God blesses people like Cleve. Or we believe God blesses people like Clay or Danny. For God can't bless me, so we have to make ourselves up. This is the reality in which we live in. Right now. This is what the social... This is what the internet world has allowed us to be. Remember the song by Brad, Brad Paisley? He was a pizza driver, but online he was... <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> online he was six foot four, 240. Just, <laughs> But in reality, that's not who he was. To know the truth. You know what that word, word, to know the truth, that's not saying know the Bible. That's saying to know reality. Know right where you're at. Know what's real. no reality. When you come to reality, that truth can set you free. And the reality is we're all in great need in this room of Him. You ready? So live vulnerable. Vulnerability is the, is the ability to be able to tell your whole story. And your whole story is not necessarily just all strengths. You are not all strengths. You are weaknesses too. And let me tell you this: a lot of us want to leave out the ugliness part of our stories, but it is the ugly part of our stories that gives other people great hope to know that we've overcome those. Yeah, yeah. 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 And let me tell you this: God, who is the author and finisher of our salvation, and who is the author of the Bible, why would wouldn't you think if He was, wouldn't you think He would leave the dirty stuff out? Why did He have to put in there that David? A man after his own heart whom God said that's what he called about him. A man after his own heart. Let me tell you what the man after God's own heart did. He stayed behind when it was time for kings to go to battle and he looked outside his walls. He looked outside the palace and he saw Uriah's wife Bathsheba sunbathing and he lusted after her and he brought her in and he had intercourse with her and he got her pregnant. Come on somebody. Not only did he do that. This is God's man after God's own heart. Come on now. Not only did did he do that to cover his sin? He had Uriah sent to the front line of battle and he ordered the troops to withdraw from him and have him killed. For surely if God was writing a man, a biography all about, about a man after his own heart, surely he wouldn't have put that in there. Why does he put that in there? He lets us know that humanity is fragile. Come on somebody. And we do have crooked places in our life that we're not proud of. But through his grace and mercy, he makes the crooked path straight. Come on, somebody. And the high places is level and we're all overcomers in this room. All right. Be able to tell your whole story. I ain't got time to go through all this because we got to bring it to a close. But in John chapter four, there's a woman that Jesus said that he must go through the city of Samaria. As he goes through the city of Samaria, he finds himself at a well, parcel of ground that Jacob had, and he's there at Jacob's well, and there is a woman at the sixth hour. This is during the heat of the day. This is not the time that women would go gather water. She finds herself gathering water at the heat of the day. Why? Because life has beat her up. And she doesn't want to be seen, and she doesn't want to communicate. How many people outside the walls of this church are living just like this lady. Yes. Broken. Jesus goes and talks to her. He says, give me a drink of water. First of all, she's mind blown that he would even speak to her. She's not only a she a woman, she's a Samaritan woman. And no, no Jew does not have any conversation was Samaritan, more or less a woman. But Jesus is trying to fix that hurt in her life. And he said, if you'd know who it was that said here, you would have asked me of a drink. Because the water you're going to draw from there, you're going to have to come back tomorrow and draw again. But the water in which I give you will become a well of spring water into your life. Come on now. She leaves from that encounter. Remember Jesus, now he's going to get the issue in her life. Because God's always about the issue. He's always about getting to the root of the problem. Jesus tells her, he says, go get your husband. She said, "Yay, Lord, I don't have a husband. He said, yes, you said right. For You've had five, and the one you shacked up with right now is not your husband. Come on now, look at her. Y'all right with me, just do it. We're just going through the Bible here a little bit. And so now she's looking at him, and she says, for I perceive that thou art a prophet. That's a good guess. But nowhere in there did I see Jesus say, you're not worthy of me? Well, if you would have only had four husbands, we could, I could have helped you. But you broke the limit. There was a young guy, a childhood friend of mine, that I brought over here in the House of Grace was still behind the First Baptist Church. I many members when it was behind the First Baptist Church. loaded him up he was he was shooting oxycodone in his veins he was on xanax he was on all kinds of stuff and I remember he'd come to my church several times. He'd come to church on Wednesday night and be stoned out <laughs> he'd be you know now grace his childhood friend of mine and I remember. Bringing him over here, but I remember this is, what, this is what some church people told him one time. was in a restaurant. As he got back to me, they said, I can't believe that John would let, let him go to his church like that. You know the reason why John let him go to his church like that? Because Jesus let me go to his church. Come on, yeah. Come on man. And let me tell you something through God's grace and mercy, there was a kid that was addicted lost his job, had a great job as an IT person. Can I tell you this today, that he's been set free for over 10 years. God gave him a beautiful wife. He's got two beautiful children. God restored his job back. Come on, somebody. God gives beauty for ashes, and he takes what the devil destroys, and he makes something good out of it. Every time that I wanted to quit with him, I remembered how faithful God was to never quit on me. Have we forgot where we come from? Come on, somebody. So, live in vulnerable, be able to tell your whole story. Now, think about this. She goes back, she goes back to her city. And the scripture says, when she enters the city, that she tells them of a man that told her everything that she has ever done. And it says, many believed in that city because of her report now listen to this you're not going to get this in some churches but I commission every one of you as an evangelist this morning in this room to go tell your story you don't have to know Greek and Hebrew you don't have to know the King James Red Letter 1116 edition all you have to know is the Messiah Jesus and that he is real and what he's done in your life is real and you take that story and you go tell it that is the most powerful story that can be told Now, I got this through a class up at Danny's and I'm going to roll this little clip and we're going to get out of here and we're going to know we're going to enjoy baptism and get out of here. All right, ready? Let's roll with this clip right here.
0: I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them. They couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, Hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say, thank you very much. And then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today, I'm going to ask you some questions about uh, a person you met earlier. And I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. Hmm. This is the sketch that you helped me create. And that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... Hmm. Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like.
1: I just want to finish this morning. How would you describe that sketch artist to yourself, to God? Would you say, I'm just... A man that f- falls all the time. But I want to tell you this. L- listen to this verse of Scripture. Song of Solomon 1 verse 5 says, I'm dark but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not look upon me because I'm dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me and they made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Now listen to this. This is the beloved speaking back to her. He said, "Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have doves' eyes." I want to tell you this morning, church. Listen to me. That failure that you got in your life that's so big, it ain't standing between you and God. He said, "You're fair." You say, "How can you say that, Pastor? How can you say that when you don't know me? When you don't when you don't know how great it is?" Let me tell you this. Because if you believe it's greater, you're never going to let it go. But if you believe you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you'll act out what you believe. As a man thinketh, so is he. Stand up with me right here. Lift your hands right here, just for a second, right here. Father, we thank you for your great love. Friend, I just came today. I felt like I was supposed to talk just to talk to the struggler, I felt like I was to tell you. Nothing shall keep, keep us from the love of God, neither height nor depth. Perilous sword. He loves us, friend. Oh, how he loves us. Father, you're so amazing, God. There's grace in this room to overcome. Let's just raise our hands. Father, I just thank you right now for the overcoming anointing just resting upon us right now. I thank You that addictions and chains are broken right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank You that You love us, that You're for us. You're not counting our sins in some book in heaven and holding that against us, but You are for us, Lord. And Father, we love You today. We honor You today. We thank You for the testimonies in this room. And friend, listen, if you're in this house this morning and you need Jesus, He's he's just a... All you got to do is just open up your voice and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you right now in my life. If that's you, friend, you say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Come to my family. I need you right now. I realize today I've been doing this. I've been trying to beat this on my own, and I realize I'm no match for it. But today I need you. And, friend, it starts right there just by asking just a simple surrender. This is how we fight our battles, by laying down, surrendering into the arms of Jesus. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, for it right now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for
0: listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.